and welcome to Counterpressed on the Ringer and Spotify. I'm in the studio with Jesse Parker Humphreys and Becky Taylor Gill. Jesse, I feel like it was <laughs> tough to get you here this morning, right? This is like definitely the worst bit of the job. Before You're such a trooper. I, I'm so proud of you. No, sorry. I don't want to be like a big sob story. I think <laughs> everyone knows that I'm a really bad loser. I don't think that's a secret. Yeah. And obviously before I worked in football, you know, my reaction to things like what happened yesterday would just be to switch off, turn off, mm. ignore everything. And obviously you can't do that. I would like to say I didn't see you last night after the game, but this morning I've been quite impressed with how well you've taken it because I do know that you take it badly. I've, well, I've been with Flo you. Flo did have to tell me at the coffee shop this morning, it's only <laughs> football. And I said, but it's not only football. But also, I think, like, from the outside, but Jesse's burner has been burned <laughs> to I actually haven't looked at your private very oh, much. I'm, I was I, I catch up? I was going to reply. If you think the sassy. burner is bad, think about my di- state of my DMs. <laughs> well, I was going to do a sassy reply at the full-time whistle to one of your tweets and say, damn, this burner is going to be put to work today. But then I thought that might tip me over the edge. But I was like, I don't, I don't, don't want to, yeah. don't want to piss you off before we get to the pub and have to drown your sorrows. But I was saying to Jesse this morning, this is where I feel lucky when people ask me like, oh, why? You know, you must have a WSL team that you lean towards. What's your favourite team? And I say, no, 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 I'm just a neutral. It's days like this it pays <laughs> off because I would be so rattled yeah. if. I cared about one of those teams because you see Twitter afterwards and it's just like rattle a clock. Also, you're so easy to like set the like rattle meter off. <laughs> I think that you sometimes like get rattled on my behalf, which I really appreciate. I'm, I'm, e- I'm easily um, lent towards a rattling. Yeah, it's you're like, like you're ready to dive in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's she's like a troop in your battle yeah. against <laughs> rattle. I like to swap, rattle battle. I like, I like to be like the neutral anti-rattler that I like. I just find stupid things annoying when they're like attempts at rattling when they're just not true I'm like if you want to rattle let's do it it has to be funny it has to be funny it has to be funny or factual the two it's like you know what it's like I tweeted something about the US women's national team and like a Scottish women's football person who doesn't even follow me replied like remember when England lost the like the World Cup final 1-0 and now Liverpool have lost 1-0 and it was like okay no correlation also like who are you you can only it's only fun if it's like your friends and it's funny if it's a bad attempt at wrestling it's just like it's embarrassing, man. Damn, Becky was rattled. <laughs> Becky was rattled. <laughs> Speaking Rain. about a random Twitter reply on your podcast, rattled. <laughs> rattled. <laughs> uh, but we're glad that you could get out of bed this morning and come, Jesse, because also you had to go back to a Arsenal-Chelsea household as well because mm. you're doing a family Christmas tree decorating. So that's even worse. Yeah, and I also didn't realise that my sister had told... I'd purposely arranged, not like a Chelsea pub, but I'd been with my friend friends in the away end told my sister where we were going a new flow was going to be there you were obviously invited becky even though you didn't make it Flo knows how to treat me on days like this. Had a pint waiting for me. Wow, that is good. Smart move. <laughs> but then my brother's there. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I didn't tell you where we were going. <laughs> Emily had. Wait, you didn't. Oh, so Emily snitched. I, did, I thought Ed snitched. knew. I thought he was invited, but he'd bought a whole Arsenal crew. Yeah. Oh, no. And they were sitting on the table that my girlfriend had booked for us, yeah. the Chelsea fans. Yeah, That's we did, shocking. We did have we to kind of. Move. We made the move. We good. kicked them out. I did run into Edward because he's like front row and I was walking Mm, around the pitch afterwards and it was quite fun and I did have a nice little little celebrate I mean obviously like doesn't really mean anything to me but it was nice to see him and see him happy but you're I'm sorry I would love to see you happy too but I just love (laughs) I just love my Parker Humphreys you know (laughs) Becky I feel like you're quite pro rattling because you like the results that will cause the most rattling yes so you that's why you were kind of leaning towards Arsenal because you were like in the title race and on Twitter this will rattle yeah so let's pro rattle yeah yeah. Wow. What a big weekend we had, eh? <laughs> Sorry, oh. can I just talk about one more person in this rattling section? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam Kerr outside the tolly. Oh, rattled. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely rattled. Yeah. Funny, but rattled. Funny, but absolutely rattled. I kind of respect it. And I think that's the kind of clip that is going to make it onto one of those iconic Barclays TikToks that 
people are yes. making where it's just like chaos. Yeah, like the like chaos the beatbox the, the breakdancer. Like the breakdancer one. Like it's just so it's so funny and it's just absolutely why I love the WSL. We can do moment. you can add it so it's her counting at the Reading game. One, two, three, four. Yeah. And then you can have a Oh, yeah. that's good. Wow, what a transition. It's Put a shame I can't edit. It's funny that videos. you're like giving us ideas for like <laughs> anti Chelsea videos. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's so true. It's all fun. It's all the WSL. Yeah, we Our all love great it. league. Our, Our great, great league. league. Today's show, we've, we're have going to talk about that in depth because, wow, what a game. So much happened, so much to discuss. So that is going to probably take up the bulk of this episode to strap yourself in, guys. And then we've got a few other things to talk about when it comes to the title race and the relegation fight at the bottom of the table. A few questions as well in relation to those two big topics. So let's talk Emirates after this. Well, so strap yourself in, Jesse. Yeah, because this is going to be a tough, I imagine, maybe 20 minutes. OK, <laughs> so prepare yourself. Obviously not the results that you would have wanted. No what shit. What do you mean? A lot of last week and also on Friday. And congratulations, actually. We didn't even have time to talk about this in the intro, but your lovely Chelsea ring. You were honoured as part of a big collab with Versus and the Chelsea Can Foundation. I, see it? I did say to Jesse this morning, like, I'm surprised you're still wearing it. I thought you might have, like, launched it. Um, Jesse's officially off. married to Chelsea Football Club. Now. Yeah, my girlfriend. What like, a I can't believe you're married to Chelsea Football Yeah, you should start wearing it on your ring finger. <laughs> but it's a celebration of um, community heroes within Chelsea. Yourself, Jesse Fleming, Jess Carter. Just and I'm going to say, after yesterday, I think I'm definitely top of that list of Chelsea Jesses. Jesses. <laughs> so we obviously haven't had time to, to dwell on that, but we were talking on Friday at that ceremony with um, a listener of the show and she was asking us, do you guys, which is Chelsea fan, do you guys feel like Arsenal are due a big result in the league right now and a big result against Chelsea? And we were talking about whether Chelsea would do a big result at the Emirates, but it was obviously not the case because Arsenal came out firing in some really dodgy weather. And I think the first sort of like 20 minutes, half an hour because of that and the intensity made it such a scrappy game. And that obviously didn't play into Chelsea Chelsea's hands whatsoever and talk about rattling but Chelsea looked rattled in the first 15 minutes 20 minutes like it felt like actually they never got a grip on the game and where Arsenal excel which is those quick transitions and with the form as well I think and the intensity that Beth Mead is bringing to them right now it was like everything kind of came together to provide the worst possible scenario for Chelsea at the Emirates yeah I feel like obviously Arsenal came out very quick and it felt like they were very early on being able to find those quick balls out wide but honestly when Johanna Ritt and Kanner had equalised for Chelsea I kind of thought that would be an opportunity for them to settle down because it came so quickly after the opener it felt like okay we've like gone through that sort of crazy first 15 minutes now like we're going to really settle into the way this game is going to be played out but it didn't pan out like that and I think that's in part to do with who Chelsea selected in that midfield I think they were playing with three players who maybe can sort of be agents of chaos in their own way, but that doesn't necessarily give you control. And then I think that in combination with the shape Chelsea were in was just making it very easy for Arsenal to turn over the ball and keep finding players in those dangerous areas out wide. And I mean... Arsenal deserved to be 3-1 up at half-time. Like, they definitely created more than enough chances to be there. But I think that that specific two minutes of Amanda Ilustet scoring the header and then Alessia Russo scoring the third really was just what put it beyond Chelsea. I still thought maybe with the changes, if they came out and got a, an early goal in the second half, they could turn it around. But I think my worry, which did then play out, is that I feel like recently when we've seen Chelsea be in these games where they've struggled, even when changes are made, even when maybe they get back on top, because I did think sort of for the first 15 minutes of that second half, they looked a lot more controlled. They just don't seem to be able to find that little bit extra, which gets you back in the game, which gets you that goal to make it free too. And maybe, you know, I think especially with the Emirates crowd can get quite nervy as well. So I think if they'd got that goal, there was maybe still an opportunity there, even though Arsenal had been so dominant. But it just feels like this Chelsea team right now doesn't 
have that element to it. I was actually surprised, and obviously part of this is down to Zinsberger's catastrophic goalkeeping once again, but I was surprised Chelsea got such a quick equaliser because that was probably their best moment of the game, it feels like. But I think what was interesting is that Arsenal were as open in points as Chelsea were. Like You even see in the second half when Ashley Lawrence gets away on sort of that 1v1, Arsenal were just so much better at both defensively managing their gaps, but I think they were there and that's what sort of Canada was able to exploit. But also they just did so much better in when they turned over the ball, they were able to move it a lot quicker to their players and have it in a much more dangerous area. And I think that's sort of what Chelsea struggled to do. It wasn't that there weren't gaps there for Arsenal. It's just I think Chelsea really struggled to exploit it. You talk about turnovers. Chelsea kept turning over the ball and a lot of that issue was coming from midfield where Cuthbert struggled, Nuskun struggled, she obviously came off, but they never got a grip on the area of the pitch that they desperately needed to and an area of the pitch that Arsenal excel in, especially with Pulova in that central area. I thought Kim Little had a really good game playing in that more advanced role. And then that sort of connection between the back line and the midfield was completely lost as well. And where you've got Millie Bright, who is like that perfect out ball because you know that she can ping it from anywhere. Without her, you you really don't have a lot of options. And it felt like so often, and a lot of people have looked at this and, you know, seen the 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 way that Arsenal targeted Jess Carter in many ways. But I think it goes well beyond that because really like Chelsea were forced with that press to try and play passes they didn't want to or, um, you know, they haven't necessarily got players super accustomed to, especially like Jess Carter's long passing in that game was poor. But like there's not a lot of players as well not only in that Chelsea team but across the WSL who would be able to ping it like Millie Bright can so when you've got that weak link without her and then no connection between the midfield where actually as much as at points this season I think Sophie Ingle maybe hasn't played her best Chelsea were crying out for a Sophie Ingle yesterday to try and get some composure in that midfield and they never really came out of that disjointed rhythm Jesse the subs though did you feel like that was a typical Emma Hayes sort of like terrified decision like we've seen in the past with the Conti Cup or in other matches where things haven't quite worked out work because like Perisette had had an okay game Marin Mielder had played okay she brings Buchanan in who I think actually had a really good game coming in from the cold brings Ashley Lawrence in who also played well takes Nuskin off that was necessary but it just felt like whoa there's a a whole lot of changes here I don't know how much they're going to impact the game and do what you want Yeah, I think there are a couple of things. I think the Nuskin change was a player who was clearly out of her depth, but I felt like the Lawrence and Buchanan changes were more tactical as opposed to personnel. I think it's easy when a player gets hooked at half-time to be like, they were bad. I don't think that's necessarily what was going on here. felt like the Buchanan one was clearly Arsenal were looking to exploit Marimielda's lack of pace. It was really interesting early on in the game. Russo was sort of trying to run up against Jess Carter and couldn't get any change out of her because Carter was so much faster than her. But then obviously the goal comes from her more bending her run towards Marimielda, Marimielda not being able to get there. So I think Buchanan was a reflection of not wanting, being able to have two faster centre-backs to be able to deal with those sort of longer balls over the top and just having runners. Equally, I think sort of Lawrence was a recognition that Chelsea needed someone who was going to be able to be maybe more dynamic going forward than Yves Perisay. But this is the interesting thing almost about Chelsea's system is that Yves Perisay doesn't go forward because she's kind of not asked to because that's the point. And I actually wonder if it would have been more interesting to have Ashley Lawrence come on as that sort of quasi right wing back. Not that I thought Canard had done really anything wrong either, but just in terms of being able to have some more defensive solidity on that side. We know Lawrence is someone who can go forward. Chelsea have played her at left wing already this season. So I thought maybe that was more the obvious change. And then Kirby, I mean, she's Frank Kirby and I think she offered a lot of quality when she came on. So I think, again, just wanting a bit more of a creative passer in that midfield. But ultimately, at 3-1, I just felt like the game was gone and the risk was always there that as Chelsea went forward more Arsenal would have an opportunity to kill the game off I mean the opportunity they got I don't think was a fair one but that's what you open yourself up to if you're 3-1 down already it's kind of ridiculous to be like complaining about a penalty decision that makes it 4-1 it's annoying because it's like that really killed the game but I don't really think Chelsea were getting back into it regardless I want to talk about the goalies specifically in a minute because they were sending me (laughs) over the edge Uh, but two big misses as well Jesse. There's a 
hell of a Melanie Leopold's shaped hole in that midfield. Classic Emma Hayes, the week of the game. Leopold's is back. Press conference, she's back, she's back, doesn't even make the bench. Not that anyone's asked what was wrong with her either. So it's just <laughs> mystery. this like, weird mystery. And Gura Wrighton, obviously... She was back. She but... was back, but not fully fit. And you saw that because I was hopeful. I thought, oh, maybe Wrighton will come on in the second half and that's the shift they'll make. But clearly, like, she's not, you know, she's not firing again like she usually is, so she couldn't make that impact. Speaking of being like, we're so back, it's so over. Just sorry to just pause on that part. Where are you personally? And where are Chelsea on the we're so back, it's so over scale? For like the season as a whole? Yeah. Oh, I'm like quite medium. Okay. We're still top of the league. I think what's really weird about this game in this situation is it really coalesced lots of familiar Chelsea issues this tendency to have a game plan that doesn't work out and it really not work out spectacularly and maybe struggle on field to make those changes tendency not to be able to get back into games and an inability to have a really solid midfield and I think all of those have been really standard throughout Emma Hayes's time at Chelsea as issues go they're frustrating because you tend to have one like crazy blowout loss the season but ultimately it seems to also sometimes like get the players going but what's strange is obviously now as well you're just like well Hayes is going at the end so I'm like, we know Emma Hayes isn't very good at building midfield, but this is kind of the end of it. What I see is that Guru Wrighton, she's back. That's like, we're so back. Right. Millie Bright not being back till January potentially is so over. (laughs) It's so over. That is definitely so over. When that third Arsenal goal goes in, it's so over. And then like, you've kind of come back up this morning to like, kind of like the middle. Yeah. I will also say what I felt like walking out the ground is like, it's a feeling of like humiliation which is horrible right like that's like the biggest loss in front of the biggest crowd that like I've ever seen Chelsea have against like biggest rivals the one team you really want to beat but I felt so much worse after the Conti Cup because they had the Conti Cup they were there lifting it I mean yeah. I wasn't there watching yeah. it but I was like that's it like that will be forever Arsenal's Conti Cup whereas and we've talked about this flow. Arsenal are now in a much better position to go on and win the league. They have no Champions League football, for example. They've got a really good record against the top three already this season, but they haven't done it yet. It's amazing to me how much, even before this game, people talked about the 3-2 that had happened two seasons ago and like what an amazing moment this was because I was like, but what did you get out of it? Mm. Like Chelsea still went on and won the league and it, it kind of feels like, okay, it's an amazing like day for Arsenal. Like, I don't want to take that. I'm not being celebration police because I'd have absolutely lost my head as well if it was the other way around. But from a like actual reality perspective, yeah. y- you have to add Keep on going, to it yeah. with the, the games that are still to come. The scale of the victory is massive. To get a win like that against your arch rivals is huge at the Emirates in front of a big crowd. That is the stuff of dreams. The point it happens in the season makes things interesting because it has to be followed up with something actually tangible. They have to go and make the most of this now because in the past that hasn't happened. But it's not the results we've seen sometimes when Arsenal have got a victory, like you say, Jesse, where like there was a huge offside goal in that game. Chelsea were without several of their big players because it, they were just got back from the Olympic Games. This is a very different sort of result that we've seen Arsenal be able to produce against Chelsea recently. And that's massive. And that's a huge kind of marker. But you have to then deliver something else as a result. Also, I think it's just, look, I know that you were nervous, Jesse, but I, maybe from a neutral's point of view, I just really did not see that coming at all. And like, obviously the Arsenal players would be like, you know, we knew we could win. I don't think I spoke to any Arsenal fans that were like confident that they were going to get any result from that game. And, and oh, a, a result. speak to some of the Arsenal fans I speak to. <laughs> you should block them. Um, you know, Chelsea still could have a diarrhea December. You just don't know. We are like, it, it can happen. It can happen. Maybe yesterday was the start. You never know. Well, I mean, we'll come on to what's next though. Um, I want to talk about the goalies because the goalkeepers were really pissing me off yesterday. Since Berger had a slightly better second half, we will say, but it's not like she was tested loads. But that equaliser, not good enough. She sort of softly like spills one as well later on in the game uh, in in that first half. And Anka Trimberger, she was just at her most chaotic peak yesterday. I even feel like, you know, the, def- the defending for Beth Mead's goal was poor, but I also still feel like Berger came out, is so far off her line. And then it's like she's the options that Arsenal have and the way that Beth Mead can finish is so easy because Berger's kind of 
like away with the fairies, then you follow that up with coming out to try and punch the Illustrate one. And I know that she got one just before and it was an impressive punch. But Jess Carter has that covered. Again, the penalty, not a penalty, but Jess Carter has that covered. We know what Berger brings to the table when it comes to shot stopping and the heroics she's pulled off for Chelsea. But my God, just to f- trust your defenders. What are you doing? The ultimate head loss every time. And I don't know if it's like a new environment and she's in the Emirates and she like just can't get her head around it. There were so many moments where she was like, I can't remember what was that other chance that didn't end up in a goal in the end, in the first half. Oh, the one, the one that was a, a Russo um, offside in the end. And Berger did like, you know, put her hand up to the lino. But she comes, she then hesitates again, and you're like, okay, will she, won't she? And it felt like that hesitant energy and that sort of, you know, nervousness, it carried through the whole game and it ultimately carried through to her back line too. And it's just like, it's so stressful. And I felt watching this game, I was just watching two teams that desperately need good goalkeepers. Do you remember when you, Jesse? Missed the train. <laughs> Stop, because you were making the meme about Anka Trimberger having two wolves inside her. Yeah, I do. On the final day of the season, yeah. I almost missed the kickoff for Chelsea United. <laughs> I had to get an Uber. But it's a, a meme that is evergreen. That so, like, mm. like I understand, Flo, why you get annoyed. I think from my perspective... AKB, it like it's annoying, but again, this is a bit like what AKB is like. She has games like this. It's very, very irritating. She's also bailed out Chelsea so many times, and I'm not going to sit here and say that I'd have honestly preferred to have Satura Musovic in goal. Like my first choice would have always been AKB to play this game. Sometimes she's much better in those situations, and sometimes she loses her head. It is that two walls meme. Personally, it's hard to look around world football and say like oh if we'd had that like Mm. that goalkeeper would be so much better to have like I think she's a very very good goalkeeper but I think yeah and that's maybe part of like Chelsea's problem without having Millie Bright like in terms of maybe struggling with with who exactly those sort of leaders are and I think you want Berger maybe to be more of a leader in that defence than she is but it feels like that's not really her personality and I know obviously Maren Mielder was playing but that's also been like a bit of a funny thing the way like she's had the armband taken off her and it's been given to Sam Kerr but I do sort of wonder like then when you look at that defence as a whole it feels quite not inexperienced but you know players like Carter and Charles I think are still sort of coming into like what it means to be like a really regular first team player for Chelsea and yeah maybe you you just want more leadership from from AKB in in those scenarios I get what you're saying because yeah it's like it is a little bit slim pickings and even though like goalkeeping wins football has had some like strong moments it does feel a little bit rough this WSL season, but at the same time, it, it's, it's frustrating when, like, in such a core game with two of the best teams in the league, you're like, wow, these goalkeepers are struggling. And Zinsberg, it was so funny, like, after she makes that mistake, she's, like, going to the crowd, like, trying to amp everyone up. And I'm like, hun, please, just, you're too much all the time. And I wonder, you know, there's lots of people on Twitter saying maybe they'll go in for Ellie Roebuck in January. But the Zinsberger issue, it just hangs over Arsenal so much. And, you know, the gag in the summer was that Chelsea were stockpiling goalkeepers, but I still don't feel super confident in any of those selections. And when two of the wealthiest, best teams can't recruit good goalkeepers, you're like, damn, that's like a sign of... But it's, like Jesse said, like... Who are they? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's a sign of such a lack of depth in the sport right now. I also just think, though, that goalkeeping is like... I feel like this when I look in the Premier League. Like, aside from, like... Alison and Edison as like the two like elite goalkeepers. And Alison's got like some wobblers in. Well, yeah. it's such an exposing position. Yeah. So when mistakes happen, but I think it's different. What's different about this is it's not like huge errors. It's like consistent lack of confidence and consistent like nervousness and chaos, rather than huge clangers where you're like throwing it between your legs. But it's just like we have. It, I feel like we have this conversation in men's football, like Ramsdale and Raya and that whole stuff. And like maybe it's worse in women's football because. We don't have like the same systems and facilities that the men have had, but I do kind of agree with Jesse. I think that like it's not that bad. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like we should talk about Arsenal being good because I feel like I've done a lot of talk about 
Chelsea and Chelsea being bad, but I... You're so gracious. Well, one particular player, I think, you know, I definitely had concerns about how quickly Beth Mead could find her form after a long, long-term long injury. But when it comes to how she tried to drive England in that kind of frustrating end to the Nations League, but certainly how she's come back for Arsenal and the difference she makes, not just on the pitch, but like psychologically for that team, because she is, the urgency is there, the intensity is there. Um, and she drives them all with her. I think she has been, she was a standout for me yesterday, but she has been so important, I think, to their resurgence in recent weeks. Because as much as I thought Chloe Lacasse had kind of earned a spot in the starting lineup, you forget how just the aura around Beth Mead in 2022, like how she's managed to recreate that so quickly off the back of an ACL injury, I'm like... Wow, that is impressive. And I think she could be another difference maker for Arsenal this season. If they do win anything, I feel like it's going to come down to Beth Mead and her performances. Because she just wants to score goals all the time. She's so desperate and so aggressive. And I think that's had an impact on the whole team, the whole front line. I thought lots of women, Moya, another strong game. Kim Little, Palova, we've spoken about. Uh, Leah Volti, I think, actually is maybe still not like fully fit and I think there's still a slight weakness there but like Russo really good finish um, for her first goal of his second goal penalty but I thought that was a really really nice finish so I think Arsenal look good I think there's like I want to say scary thing about Beth Mead is like she's obviously like not even back to her best mm. so it's scary for other teams but it's exciting to see how far she can push that and like yeah it seems like she's very quickly bounce back and to have that like confidence coming back because I think I mean like I watch her and every time she goes down I'm like oh. and I think having like such a big injury and being out for ages would like naturally make you more cautious when you come back but it doesn't seem like that for her and like feeling confident straight out of the bat is good to rather than to have like a wobbly like oh I'm coming back but so she it's just going to be like what's Where's her limit? Mm. I also think, you know, I spoke after the West Ham game about how I think that was the most sort of in rhythm and flow uh, Arsenal look, especially on the ball, because they we know they excel in transition and those quick passes and those quick breaks. But the West Ham game was a moment where I thought, OK, they're getting more comfortable on the ball in a system and as a unit and finding those patterns and those passes and not just trying to cross the ball all the time or like rely on certain moments. But Sunday was kind of back to what they do best under Jonas Eideval, which is like physicality, speed, aggression and taking their chances. That game against Chelsea at the Emirates last year, Arsenal could have been home and dry before half time. Muzovic has a good performance, but they had so many chances. They didn't let that happen again. They didn't let Chelsea have a way to get back into that game. And that is a sign of growth. 100%. Yeah, definitely. And I think, obviously, the, the quality of chances created were really, really strong. The, the finishing was good. I think what also just sort of touching on Mead and Rousseau, which I feel like, obviously, there was there's been a lot of sort of question marks over Rousseau's goal scoring. But I think always what Rousseau was really important for for Arsenal was her off-the-ball work. And I think Beth Mead's really similar. I think it's really interesting that for me, lots of this game was going to come down to sort of whether Lauren James or Katie McCabe could get the better of each other. And I think McCabe, you know, firmly came out the, the winner in that scenario. But I think also having Mead in front of her was so crucial in terms of like being able to do that work around Neve Charles getting the ball. And I know there's been a sort of lot of talk around sort of pressing Jess Carter onto her left foot, but I personally don't really think that's something that like Chelsea are that concerned about because lots of their build-up does go through Neve Charles and it's the idea that Neve Charles is going to sort of make the run and then have Lauren James like take the ball off her feet maybe in the midfield area and Charles is the one who gets to go on. I think the combination of Mead and McCabe did really well to like limit that being able to be a thing. Although And even in the game, that I think that's where Chelsea got their most joy even though the goal came from the other side. Um, I think there was lots of... And this is very Jonas Eideval, I think. I think there was lots of like across the pitch... Arsenal players won their individual battles um, and I think that was like really really crucial sort of in the chaos 
that came from both the way Chelsea had lined up, that came from the weather, that came from like what both teams wanted to try and do to each other. I think it was one of those games where, you know, like whoever you were, you had to be like winning those second balls and being able to get that extra second on the ball. And Arsenal, I think, just across the pitch were much, much better at doing that. It's also crazy that they've still got Leah Williams and Viv Miedemar to like properly come back. I know Viv's kind of back, but like mm. properly come back. They've just, they've really weathered a storm of like ACLs and now they're back. It's crazy. That's a good question. Are Arsenal back? Are Arsenal back back? They are so back. <laughs> Becky Daly they're, the, they're at the top point of the we're so back. <laughs> so what is the next it's so over going to be for them? <laughs> yeah, there always is a fall. There, yeah, there, there really is. Um, two moments we've got to talk about because it was the discourse was discussing last night. Lauren James on Leah Volte, Katie McCabe on Fran Kirby. Sendings off, really, in my opinion. I think both fall under the uh, violent conduct banner. Rebecca Welch had had an okay game until that pen, actually, um, which was frustrating. But it opens up a wider discourse. Rebecca Welch has two wolves inside her, too. She does. (laughs) She does. Um, But it opened up a, a big discussion because it's frustrating with Lauren James because you would have really hoped that... What happened at the World Cup would have been a learning experience, but we had a moment in the Spurs game at Stamford Bridge that was caught on the BBC or Sky cameras, can't remember. And then we have this moment. Leah Volte, ever the uh, gentlewoman, you know, even after Aggie Beaver-Jones broke her leg. She was very Agnes poli- Beaver-Jones, Sorry, Agnes. Please. She was very polite. And yesterday she said the same. She said, oh, you know, it happens, it's football. Very polite. But, you know, I can understand many players would say, you know, that is a low blow. It's late. And it's targeted. And, you know, we have to say that Lauren James, a lot of the narrative and the discussion, the criticism around her, it pushes over and quite explicitly is racist online a lot of the time. And there is a certain minority on Twitter that only ever talk about Lauren James within the context of her race. And that is unacceptable. And that is, you know, is just racist. And, you know, people shouldn't be doing that online and people should be pulled up on it online as well. But the separate conversation is about what happens to this player and why she isn't learning from this because there is going to come another moment in another big game like the World Cup where she gets sent off. Like if Chelsea get to the Champions League semi-finals and there's VAR and she does something... High chance that's going to be picked yeah, I think up. Yeah, she would have been sent off yesterday if there was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and sh- and and she could cost them a game, and it's so frustrating to watch because you're like, this player is so good, but there's a moment in games where she sees red and she loses her head, and sometimes it impacts her just attitude in general and how she plays, and she gets frustrated. And there are lots of players that do that, but then it goes to that next level where she's kicking out, she's doing things which are also just dangerous. Sometimes the one against Spurs was dangerous; she could have really injured someone's head. And it's so frustrating because I'm like, this player is so good. She doesn't need to do that. Not to sound like a straight white man, but I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. Is there something about like the energy that she has and like the player that she is and the it's kind of like, can one come without the other? Like, can she be this amazing like player who does like crazy things because she like is just like free in her brain, but then like she gets a bit too free and does something stupid. It's like it's like two sides of a coin. Like, can you stop having that? Can you rein that in and still keep everything that's amazing to the same level? I've also sort of been thinking along those lines. Not maybe not quite in terms of like, can you do both? Because I think kind of think like maybe you should be able to but mm. you do get players who just like are so obviously get rattled but like I saw someone sort of like maybe like compare it to like sort of Zidane and stuff just like mm. players who just clearly like are unable to keep control of their emotions and I don't know I want Lauren James obviously to be able to rise above that but I'm also just like, maybe she can't. And like, maybe she just, it's what's weird is like, you're like, surely you learn from the World Cup. Like Mm. you find what it is you need to not do that because yeah, she should have been sent off. But it is funny because then obviously we're talking about the other incident with Katie McCabe. That's another player who I'm just like, you clearly don't have the ability Mm. to switch that element of your game 
off. And I know maybe people feel like it's different because LJ sort of like is stamping and Kate McCabe's just sort of elbowing someone in the head. But for me, like <laughs> they're definitely on the same kind of yeah. spectrum of behaviour in terms of like neither of them clearly can hold enough. And Katie's in a, to do Katie it. McCabe is a much more experienced player, and maybe that's maybe that's why. Maybe she has the experience to not do the stamping, but know that she can like probably get away with an elbow here and there. Well, like you say, it's with it's like those two players that energy and that mentality it, it brings out the best and worst of them it's like we see Kay McCabe's aggression make her play in a way that provides so much but then we see her get so many yellow cards and sometimes get sent off I like, what I think needs to be said about this conversation is as you said before Flo like the way that people talk about Lauren James versus oh the way that people talk about Katie McCabe For people who should know but the amount of people I've seen who I really would think they should know better it's always like a yeah but yeah. Yeah, but Lauren James is really dirty play. Yeah, but what Kate McCabe did wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. Sorry, like no, like take a step back and think about how that like informs the discourse. I know it's frustrating that for lots of Arsenal fans in particular, they are probably not d- thinking about it because they are racist. They are annoyed that Lauren James put in a nasty foul on one of their players and should have been sent off. Mm. But unfortunately, we live in a world where that contributes and like yes. enables lots of people who do do it in a racist yeah. way. And I just think it's really, really frustrating that for some people it feels like they get to hold their hands up and be like, but uh, like yeah. I'm not doing it in this manner. So it doesn't, doesn't matter that other people are. Mm. Mm. And people also think because they're not being explicit about it that it doesn't count. It's like, no, the language matters and the way you talk about people matters. And that's the same when you, you know, a lot of people use massive stereotypes to refer to black players across football. It's like <clears throat> that language matters and it matters how you speak about black players in what you write, in the commentary, everything. It's so frustrating with Lauren James because... You do look at uh, someone who also... I worry about her when Emma Hayes leaves because Mm. Emma Hayes has been such an important figure for her and has brought the best out of her. And Emma Hayes is certainly the person you'd imagine say, like, you need to stop doing that because it's going to impact your career. I mean, it's it's clearly not... The message isn't getting through at the moment. Exactly, but you kind of... You don't want to see a player risk it all because... They can't control their emotions. And there's things that you can put in place. And I think women's football doesn't help itself with the poor refereeing and the poor game management that's there because I think players have historically got away with a lot Mm. at youth level and coming up that they then go to the big stage and it seems like a shock because they can't get away with it anymore. But I do think there are ways that you can control your emotions, the support of club psychologists and whatever it takes, like... I, I, I never want to see it as an excuse for players just because of their greatness. That goes for McCabe and that goes for Lauren James. It's like they both are better than this. And I think you don't want someone's reputation to be tarnished because it starts becoming about low blows. And it's just so frustrating to watch. Jesse, Chelsea don't have a ton of time to get on with it. They've got a game against Hecken on Thursday. Do you think that's probably a good thing, though, that they can just kind of like head down, hopefully get a decent performance at Stamford Bridge, and there's not a lot of time to dwell on this? Yeah, Emma Hayes has sort of always said that she thinks Chelsea prefer and are better when they've sort of got two games a week. I think it's a good game to be able to get back into. I think Chelsea have looked good so far in, in the Champions League despite only having four points and Hecken are obviously top of the group. So I think there'll be motivation obviously for Chelsea to get a win. But at the same time, having watched their games, they're definitely a team who can be got at as well. Um, and then obviously Bristol City away uh, as the sort of last WSL game before Christmas and I think I'm glad Chelsea aren't going into that Bristol City one first because I know a lot of Chelsea fans will be like this is a great opportunity to stat pad I think having seen the way Bristol have sort of set up against some of the bigger teams this season it would be a potential banana skin but I'm hoping that if sort of Chelsea can get this result out of their system against Hecken that will help the one thing I will say about Chelsea and Hayes's Chelsea in particular is they do do this regularly they tend to do this about once a season and they also tend to be quite good at picking themselves up and dusting themselves down I do sometimes wonder if it's like a bit of a mentality thing for them they get a bit too sort of comfortable and they sort of have to be reminded that they've got things to fight for 
score and that there are other good teams there and they will be turned over if they're not like super zoned in on on that individual basis you know even excluding sort of maybe Hayes getting some of her tactics wrong I still think like on an individual level like there were quite a few poor performances across the pitch so yeah it will be interesting I think for Chelsea the next like really big thing feels like the United game at Stamford Bridge you know Chelsea still are like still have not played all of that top four yet and I think they've got one point from their two away games against City and Arsenal which is the same as what they had last year and I tweeted this after the game but they played all of their home games at Kings Meadow now Mm. like are Chelsea in a position where Stamford Bridge is like Kings Meadow no absolutely not so those home games have this extra layer of pressure on them and I think they're going to really need a big result against United in January yeah, the, the Stamford Bridge match selections are looking a little bit interesting. And it's so annoying because I'm just like, I know the club wants to grow like the number of people there, but it feels like the Wokarati said we had to have everything <laughs> at Stamford Bridge. And I don't care because I want to win games and the I prefer Wokarati. to have it at Kings Meadow. That is good. Um, I also think, you know, we know that Chelsea absolutely cook in that second stretch where they just have, they sometimes have games in hand because of uh, frozen pitches or whatever. And they have like this block of games where they can just go bang, 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 knock them over like dominoes. And that stretch of the season is where Chelsea are at their best and in their absolute rhythm and flow. So if they have a slightly stop-start patch then, that's when I'm like, okay, I think Chelsea are out this title race. But it would take a lot for me to be like, Chelsea aren't still in this. I think this title race is very exciting, but it's annoying that it's like this year that it's exciting because I still like... I love Emma Hayes and I would like her to get a nice little fairy tale ending. So I'm like if last year was like exciting and like crazy, then like sure, I'll I like that. But I think I well, there's part of me that would just quite like Chelsea to win the league. So mm. Oh, thank you for your support. <laughs> you were I, I'm kind of like it from a non Chelsea perspective. Obviously I'd have loved like from a Chelsea fan perspective to be six points ahead, but I think it's good yeah, for, it's the league that for the league that we're, we're here where we are right now. We've talked so much about this game, so let's talk about a few of the other big talking points from the top and bottom of the table next. City had a, a really important result against Aston Villa. Aston Villa once again proving that they cannot hold on to a lead. Um, they're in trouble still. West Ham are in all sorts of trouble. But focusing on City for a moment... Um, there was uh, at one point, you know, a, a potentially a few question marks because of certainly that Brighton result, which I think, you know, I'd, I'd been feeling so hot on City and that felt like a real oh, yikes frustration moment. But even though I think they had to resort to uh, uh, an absolute crossathon on Saturday cross-a-thon. to find Bunny Shaw, it is so hard to defend against Bunny Shaw. And eventually those cracks will show. Lauren Hemp had an immense game and she's having a really good season. But I think the um, the mentality that City have at the moment, even though maybe their versatility isn't isn't quite there on that front line, especially on Saturday, that mentality to keep going and to pull off a comeback like they did, I think it it shows a lot of their growth, and I still think that. They look like a very strong team. They just need to make sure that they're going to get results against the top four because the Arsenal defeat and obviously um, what happened in the Chelsea game, which was unlucky given they had to finish the game with nine men. But they've got to really punch their way against these top four sides now. I would just like to say this is not about the football, but our oomph, counter-pressed fan and listener, Eve, tweeted that Man City... Villa is the most Saturday Barclays early kickoff that you can possibly have. Like that is the epitome. That's like that should be played at eleven. That's <laughs> yeah, the one. They should move it forward. That's, yeah. that's the breakfast game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I true. agree. I feel like it's on every it every lunchtime. every Saturday lunchtime. Man and City you know Villa. what? Maybe they should. They should just scrap <laughs> their other games and just, just make them it. play every week. <laughs> oh man, Villa so annoying. Mm. Like, I honestly, I just want to shake them. What a goal from Dan Turner to put them ahead. Oh, what a goal. It just felt so inevitable. You know, City not winning this, they'd have only had themselves to blame because Villa just sat further and further and further back. And I know they were 1-0 up at half time, but like the chances City had created, like they shouldn't 
shouldn't have been. And I think it's it was probably really important for City to have this experience sort of, of coming behind and for it not even to be that nervy in the end. I think Hemp scored just at the right time and she scored the two in quick succession, which just meant that they could sort of then see out the game. But yeah, I think that was a really important win for them, maybe to like get over some of the stuff from the Brighton match and, and be able to... They're one of the teams who really, really benefit from this Arsenal-Chelsea result. Like, obviously, Arsenal go level with Chelsea, but this puts City three points behind. And I think there were people who were already saying that, like, City were out of the title race, like, like, like before the international break. And you're like, well, it kind of feels like everything's to play for for, for everyone right now. And I definitely feel like City are in are in a strong place, even if they've got sort of that wobble in them, which I think all four of these teams have to a certain extent anyway. Yeah, I think it's much like the Premier League. Like, I don't think there's one team that looks uh, unstoppable and it Wrong. looks like... I think Liverpool men are looking <laughs> fantastic. Up the actually. villa. <laughs> <laughs> Up the villa, for sure. So I think it is. I think it is... Uh, open because I don't think one team is yet to really kind of dominate in their games and I think that shows the strength of the league as a whole a really important win for Manchester United although I wouldn't say it was um, an absolute classic um, but that kind of keeps them in contention in the top four still a point outside a point behind Man City Um, but I think I'd be a little bit concerned for Spurs because that I think is two bad eleven goals and now Arsenal and they've got exactly eleven goals in uh, two WSL games. They've got Arsenal midweek in the Conti Cup and then then they've got the North London derby at Spurs Stadium now. Two weeks ago, I was thinking North London Derby at Spurs Stadium could be one of the most competitive best we've had since Spurs came into the league. Now I'm like, oh, this could get ugly if they need a right-back, left-back pairing who have proven performances on the Tottenham pitch. The beatboxers. Me and Jesse oh, are sorry. That is ball. so true. We <laughs> Our offside track. The nastiest offside track. Oh, it was so Unai Emery, good. your heart out. <laughs> I, did, what I, will say. I did that goal line clearance. We, Should we suit up? Yeah. One last sure. to get out of retirement. I've still got the kit. I've still so. got the kit. It is last season. Uh, well, is it two seasons ago? I think ago it's two even, seasons maybe? ago now. Two seasons ago. So they always wear the same kit. Yeah. So it's white. white. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm so if ready. The, if you know if you need us, we're here. We're ready. Yeah. And that was like that weather that day was awful. It was so hot. So like if we can do it then, like it would be so easy to do, do anything. It now. Absolutely. Ninety minutes as well. Easy. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hundred percent. Beth Mead. I've got not it in the tank. Past me, I tell you that. <laughs> I want to talk about some issues at the bottom of the table because wow, West Ham down bad, losing one nil to Everton. Kate mentioned last week how like she certainly feels like West Ham are still confident and backing Rianne Skinner, but as time ticks on and how tight it is at the bottom, and also given the performances of Bristol City, another really important point for them, we've got West Ham rock bottom with four points, Bristol City with five, Aston Villa with six, Brighton with eight, and I would say Leicester probably kind of, you know, I think they're pushing well beyond. They're in eighth at the moment with nine points. So that kind of bottom three really it's going to get quite tense and quite nervy. And right now, West Ham feel like they're in the worst place, in the worst form, with the worst squad, actually, out of those teams. And maybe there's a big January incoming for West Ham. But they need to turn things around quickly. I went a bit rogue with my like group chat predictions for um with my friends and I picked West Ham to get relegated so I would quite like to be right I did the same on Counterpressed, so I did would you? also like to be right I can't remember who I predicted on Counterpressed. the only thing I will say oh, was I here don't know if I did maybe not so guys I'm predicting West Ham to go down and I promised that I predicted that at the I beginning yeah the only thing I will say is that you know maybe helps West Ham out is things can change really really quickly and if I think they if they can get players in January because I do think they just need more quality in that squad um, I think you know obviously losing Dagny Brunios daughter through pregnancy Mackenzie Arnold's been out for a bit now but the way things- you said that it makes pregnancy seem like it's an injury <laughs> lost her through pregnancy <laughs> I, did, I didn't know the right way to say it she's <laughs> pregnant um, but you know we were looking really nervously sort of at Everton who I think are still a team you think are probably okay now on 11 points, but had obviously gone through like 
a stressful run of results, been battered by United, lost to Chelsea, then they drew with Bristol and you're thinking, oh gosh, like this could get really bad. You beat Villa and you beat West Ham and suddenly you you feel like you've really elevated yourself. So it just shows down there, like you only need to string one or two wins together for things to start looking better much quicker. I'm still confused about why they appointed a woman who had such a long <laughs> losing run. <laughs> but... And it feels like history is repeating itself. Well, I think that's just like indicative of how they like think about their women's team. That's why I said like I just don't think that in January they're going to like do anything that's like going to change their fate because I look at West Ham and I don't think that they are investing and that they like care as much as they should. We'll have to wait and see. Rianne has asked... Vibe, oh, not Rian. Skinner. <laughs> no, sorry. Rian has asked vibe check on the title race and relegation battle. So, just in a word, what's your vibe check? Let's go back over. Sorry, then. vibe for like both. Yeah, one one word for each. Yeah, okay. Or maybe one team for each. Has anything changed on your vibe check? So, like title race, relegation. That's, okay. Are you asking me for a vibe? Or are you asking me for who I think is going to be Let's promoted or re- promoted? Who I think is going to win or relegated? Okay. Let's do both. I still think Chelsea will win the league, and I'm sticking with West Ham, baby. See ya. <laughs> um, and your vibes? Vibes swirly. Oh, Ooh, wow! At the bottom. I'm thinking of that wind emoji. <laughs> <laughs> At the bottom, called squeaky. Um, Swirly and squeaky, that's me. I don't know about the title race. Um, I think at the start of the season, I thought Chelsea would win because I thought the Hayes... Well, I didn't know about Hayes. So, and I don't, still don't know where that leaves everything. I do think Arsenal are kind of in the driving seat just because they don't have Champions League football, but I don't know. I feel like I can't say Chelsea because it feels like too much of a jinx. Yeah. But I kind of still think they might do it. Um, <laughs> I can't say it's too much of a jinx, but I, I'm going to say it. <laughs> it feels... Every year I pick a team that's not Chelsea to win the league and then every year Chelsea win the league. So I'm a bit like... Yeah. Mm. Uh, at the bottom, I'm going to... continue. But maybe I, that's because you've been not picking Chelsea. Well, I know that's why I need to stick with it. Although I think at the start of the season I said Chelsea. Oh my God, it's so over, <laughs> Becky. <laughs> at the bottom, at the bottom. Um, I think West Ham will go down still. I really like what Bristol City is. Got cooking over there. Yeah. Uh, what's your vibe check words though? My vibe check is at the top intense, Ooh. at the bottom bleak. Ooh. Oh wow! Okay, um, yours yours are like intentional. Mine's just like feelings. You know, yeah, and that feelings. kind of sums us up as sort of media personalities. <laughs> I, agree, I think. Yeah. Title race. I'm gonna. I think I had I had Chelsea winning the league and then I had City coming second I was going to say City going down <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna go I think City could I want to say whoa, whoa that's rogue I, I just the thing is right is Garrett that like, Taylor you've got to make that bold predictions no, to be smug that. at the end exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. and like I always go for the last literally four seasons that Chelsea have won the title I think I've like said yeah they're going to win it every time and see I've said City in all those occasions so really? we swapped and then um you know, it's just that second half of the season where they just hit the gra- hit the ground running and can't stop. But I just really want City to to deliver on those moments across the last few seasons where I've seen sparks and they've ultimately let me down. I would love to see a new team as well lift it, and I just feel like maybe it could be City. That's crazy so stuff from you. They are three points back, so they've got and to be to relegated. Do. To be relegated, I'm gonna go. I think I had Bristol City at the start of the season. I'm going to still say Bristol wow. City. I know. Obviously, You're not on the like Lauren Smith train. Things, things, because it's only West Ham are only a point behind. And like you said, Jesse, I do think like a couple of wins can basically get you safety. And it's so tight there. I just feel like West Ham will ultimately just managed to squeak through and they've done that quite a lot over the last couple of years just kind of fluked it and I think that will happen again and then I agree with you Becky I think it will just sort of encourage more sort of CBA energy from the club because they'll think oh they need to get relegated well they're exactly like you know they'll think oh we stayed up it's fine and the ambitions are so low my vibes my feelings for both title race I'm gonna go more passion that's two words more More energy more energy Um, actually do it and that for relegation, can I have another TikTok sound? Oh, okay. Oh, that's, that's what we should have done. That's quite hard, actually. 
Oh, no, now I'm, now I'm stressing because I'm trying to go through the TikTok sounds. Uh, hold on, I have one. <laughs> Let me, I know what it is. The relegation vibe is that woman who showed <laughs> on the vibrator thing. Going, <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. So Becky showed should I, us... Should I, should I, Maybe you could. Becky showed us this TikTok of this woman <laughs> who's using one of those like vibration plates that it's actually like it's meant to be good fitness wise, but I don't think it really does anything. Yeah, like how like, does it? Like how would it work? It basically like shakes anything. your muscles and it's it meant to make like you toes. Original ones that they sold for women that were just like actually vibrators. But yeah, they, that they were like <laughs> all those those things. ones that like um, Cristiano Ronaldo used to promote, which is like where you stick things on your abs and they're like meant to give right. you six pack, but they don't. So anyway, she's lying on that, but then <laughs> she, she turns on and she gets her kid to video her and she's going. <laughs> She's trying to talk. Okay, I'm going to play it. She's trying to talk. <laughs> that is the relegation battle that is in the WSL. I've just got to take on now. And it's just the last piece, sorry. Turn it off, I can't do it. Turn it off. That is so perfect. That is, that is, that is that's literally what it is. That's, that's what it's like down there. I mean, I also kind of feel like that's got, like at the top as well, a little bit. Well, maybe the one at the top is the one with the teeth. You've got West Ham, Bristol City, Aston Villa absolutely shaking, guys. And then the one at the top is she obviously then realises that it's viral like content content and then puts her mum on the machine and her mum has dentures and the dentures are like clacking <laughs> that's the that's the top yeah, yeah. perfect um, a good one a question as well from anna a great username noki fc absolutely love this for fun of the three of you, who takes the pen, who saves the pen, and who causes the oh, pen? Oh, I think there's a really obvious answer I think so this. too. Go on, you go. I think Becky saves the pen, you cause the pen, and I take the pen. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought Becky caused the pen. I thought I was going to cause the pen, but I actually think I could save it too. I, I would cause the pen, I think. No, but I think you've got that in you as well, Flo. Flo is so yeah. aggy. Yeah, no, so true. So actually, Don't you remember at that Spurs yes, game? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I will say, as I, I want to say Becky causes the pen, but I have I, I gave away a penalty more than once when I You're played. You're Anne-Catherine Berger. You have two wolves inside <laughs> of you. No, I only have one wolf. It's pure <laughs> ag. There's not two. Yeah, like, no, I think when I was right. when I when I did play eleven aside, like I was someone who really liked putting an elbow, a few stamps, a few like cheeky back of the leg things. So like I would definitely give. You're giving away the pen. Oh, and you're taking because you're cool, calm, and collected. I yeah, but I'm not very good at. I don't think I'd be very good. <laughs> I think well, I'm saving it. it yeah. So I don't. I'm not very good at kicking the ball very hard. Yeah. Maybe you'd go for I like, like a chill I like chip. to think I'd be sexy taking it, oh, even if I miss. so true. <laughs> um, be sexy I, would, I would be so distracted. Right, I'd be like, oh my yeah. God. And then I'd open anchor it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm like so convinced. I say this to my mum all the time. I'm so convinced I could save a penanka, like just stand there. But you don't know. Yeah. But like, come on. And I like make eyes at you and go like, oh, and then winking at me. Are you? Yeah. You dive to the left and that's when I just roll it <laughs> in. Uh, and then one for Becky, actually, Liverpool themed. Yeah. Maybe a frustrating point for them yesterday against mm. Bristol City, um, but they have had a really good season so far. Women's, Fifth, baby. Women's Football Data has asked, comparison between Liverpool post-promotion and Man United post-promotion, are Liverpool on track to follow United's path? So could Liverpool start pushing towards a Champions League spot, an FA Cup final? Could it be in the works? I would love that, obviously. I think, I don't know, I think that in comparison with United, it's not the same because I think United like made it very clear what their intentions were. They built this women's team. They brought WSL standard players down to the championship to take them up and obviously invested a lot of money. I think that Liverpool have definitely had problems like committing to their women's team like they've been very very successful in the past yeah I was going to say the crucial difference is you've already won yeah, the well, exactly. yeah how many WSL titles have you got United <laughs> and they're building something really nice and I hope that the people who make those decisions see that and keep investing in that team because fifth is like crazy I would never have expected that at the beginning of the season and I think it, I think it is really impressive to go through the like up and down that Liverpool have with like being such a strong force having so many lionesses in their team back in the day in an era where like if you spent a little bit of money you could really dominate then the context changed the situation changed Liverpool got found out a little bit not only you know like actually budget wise like on, on salaries and stuff the shift wasn't that much but like certainly the support network around it the resources the coaching everything 
to go through that like period of success, drop off a bit and then come back, but to build something that's actually long term yeah. is stronger and more sustainable deserves a lot of credit. And I hope that they can build it because I think signing wise, I think they've been so shrewd with their investments. They haven't necessarily chased like super big names, but they've seen problems and they've found players to, to solve them. What I think is interesting about that is I think that that is like a club kind of built foundation because I, I have always said about Liverpool men is that I think the thing they do really well in their transfers is they don't and interestingly enough compared to Man United men who I think do the opposite they want the star they sold Paul Pogba sent him off didn't even sell him he went free right and then they bought him back for like 90 million and that's just ridiculous that what they want is someone that's like ready made whereas Liverpool men have often like found those players and created those stars and I think maybe that's then built into the women's team in that that is the like system that that we use to find players like Liverpool women don't have the pull to bring in like these like you, you know, saw it with me as stars. Well, summer, yeah, right? yeah. Like she's going to Liverpool and then suddenly United. Yeah. So they don't have that pull. So they need to rely on being really good at finding those players and finding what they need in those positions that they're lacking in to then build those stars. I'm going to just caveat that. I think it's really funny that we're talking about this when they just drew 1 1 time. I still think it's true. And I think what, you know, they've done really well is being able to offer maybe younger players coming in from different leagues like a high standard of football sort of on and off the pitch with a very well-respected manager who's like someone who I still think is like really underrated in terms of like what he contributes to the WSL, uh, Matt Beard, but then maybe be able to sort of attract like a higher quality of player as a result. And I just, I do feel like their squad's got like a really nice mix of sort of younger players, more experienced players. You've got the homegrown element as well. Yeah, I think they're a really fun team. I, I hope they I hope they carry on pushing through the season. Quickly, uh, vibe in one word on Liverpool. Gorgeous. <laughs> that was very ASMR. You went really close and went, gorgeous. Just love them girlies. That's one for the Becky boy. <laughs> love those girlies. Mm, upwardly mobile. <laughs> That's two, two. words. Hyphen. Okay, fine. Okay, maybe. I'm going to go with... A TikTok sound? Energy! <laughs> You've already used that one. I know, but I went more passion. That was slightly different. I don't, I, my brain isn't as TikTok-y as yours, Becky. It's hard. It's there on repeat in my brain Literally. at I need all to, times. I think I need to watch more TikTok, actually. Yeah, That's the lesson New Year's learned. resolution. <laughs> <laughs> I don't spend enough time on my phone, actually. More TikTok. Um, guys, that's enough uh, for the WSL show today, but what a week, eh? War a week. Counter press is officially massive. Tomorrow, Tuesday morning, 9.30 a.m. Not the one show. No, no, no. Not Ronan Keating. No, no, no. Is he not coming in? Oh, I'm not going to come up. I'm actually busy. Sadly, we couldn't get the budget for Ronan Keating. But we have got the budget for Jilly Fatty. So, But on Tuesday morning, we're going to be delivering the Women's FA Cup fourth round draw live on Instagram. We're going to be doing a bit of an FA Cup episode as well that's going to be out later that day. But do join join us on the Adobe... Do I get to pick out a ball? Yeah, don't worry. Everyone's going to get involved. Everyone, I am everyone so gets to touch a ball. Uh, <laughs> everyone's going to get a job. Don't worry. When was the last time any of us did that? End it, Flo. End, end, it, it. end it before the FA pull out. Bloody hell. Um, so yes, oh. join us at 9.30am on the Adobe Women's FA Cup Instagram channel. We've been doing it live on there. But Thursday as well, we're going to be doing our under pressure uswnt documentary episode we've got a few interviews as well with Alyssa thompson and the director of that rebecca gillett's so what a week see you there